Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning again, everybody. It is wonderful to see familiar faces that we haven't seen in a while as the COVID season appears to be eking off a little bit, which is, which is great, and it's a wonderful time at Christ Church. It is also time for the first sermon in Christ Church history about physics, that dreaded high school class which many of us avoided or failed. Physics is essentially about how physical things work together or work against each other. And it's all based on certain laws by scientists and mathematicians, both ancient and Renaissance, and over the past few hundred years and modern, like Archimedes and Kepler and Newton. Like the law of gravity, this ball, which is my daughter's, Caroline's, drops because the huge mass of the earth somehow attracts the ball. We don't argue with that, right? I mean, it's accepted. We see it, we feel it, especially as we grow older. Or the law of inertia. The ball will stay in place unless some force pushes it, like when Stephen trips over it later in the service. We do not argue with that law either. The ball just sits there until Stephen kicks it. Or the law of motion. For every action, there is a reaction, like the recoil on a gun. Scientists say, quote, these physical laws are conclusions made on the basis of repeated scientific experiments and observations. They are universal, accepted worldwide, and get this, these laws do not change when a new theory comes along. What if God's laws? What if the spiritual laws about life and relationship with each other and with God were just as real, just as true, just as certain as physical laws? Hmm. Let's think about that for a minute. Like the laws of physics are proven by repeated experiment and observation, that is, the outcome is the same every time, God's instructions about right and wrong and how to live have been proven true again and again and again and again forever. Like physical laws are universally true, God's commands about how to live, like don't lie, cheat, or steal, or do encourage, love, forgive, or as Peter says, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love, be compassionate and humble, be a blessing. These values apply in any and all situations, any and all relationships, any culture, any era 
over time. They are universal. They do not change when a new theory comes along. We can rationalize or deny it, but no matter how capable and self-confident and self-reliant we are, we know, we know there is a consequence when we do the right thing and there is a consequence when we do the wrong thing. We really know that way, way down in our hearts. The good outcome of thinking and intending and doing the right thing or the upsetting outcome of thinking and intending and doing the wrong thing are evidenced in our marriages, in our families, in our work, or in our minds and hearts in the middle of the night, or in our relationship with God, where we want to connect, but there's something a little off if we've gotten down that wrong path, or there's something confident and assured when we've been on that right path. And there's no mystery about how God wants us to live, His values, His prescriptions for living, from the Ten Commandments this morning. We're reminded. God wants us to be at peace with Him to live in a sense of relief with Him, to bring Him our problems, our yearnings, our hopes, our desires, even our conflicts, to trust Him, to be humble, to be grateful for His blessings. As I've heard it put, He wants us to be right-sized. That is worshiping God, whether you do it and enjoy it on your patio or on Sunday morning. The consequence is peace, is healing, is assurance, is hope. Then that Sabbath rest Thing about taking a day ah, to relax and enjoy and reflect and just be at peace. Wow, what a great idea, God. It's not an uptight thing. The Pharisees made it uptight about what you can do and not do. We are left freedom to do what we wish or not do what we wish. It's an individual thing. The consequence of being able to relax and rest is being able to relax and rest and to be revived for what comes the next week. Great idea, God. God wants us to honor our parents. And no matter what our history with our parents are, no matter how much water under the bridge there may be, it's again one of those things that way, way down deep, we really do want to honor 
our parents, we are hardwired to want their blessing and love. We're hardwired to want to bless and love them. And, and this can be a challenge when there's been some difficulty. It can be a real challenge when there has been some stuff that's way over the edge. But just like we want our children to respect us and bless us as parents, we want to do that with our parents. So when we forgive our parents for the mistakes they may have made, knowing that they did the best that they could, because we as parents, right, we try to do the best we can. We, we try to help them out. We try to help out our parents. And if our parents have passed on, whew, what a relief it can be to honor them in our hearts with gratitude for doing the best they could. The consequence of this honoring fulfills that deepest hardwired desire of our hearts. Makes us feel right. God is also about life, as we see in the Ten Commandments. We are not to kill physically. Elsewhere in the Bible, we also see that we are not to kill emotionally through character assassination with gossiping or judging or not forgiving. When we honor life, the consequence is God's approval. God saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it is also in the quality of our relationships going forward. There is the potential for something better, even if it's null instead of negative. That's null is better than negative. But there's a potential for something to develop and grow that we may not have predicted. Then God knows, and we all know, there are so many ways to steal, to take things that are not ours, or to not give what others need or deserve. The consequence of not stealing is being satisfied, is being contented with what we have and having gratitude, being okay with what we've got. We find in those commandments that God wants us to be honest with ourselves. It talks about in different ways in the rest of the Bible. With others, of course, specifically in the Ten Commandments. Not lying or manipulating things. Pretending that we are a certain way when we're really not that way. With ourselves, with others, and with God. The consequence of being honest and maybe taking some steps to 
make up for things or whatever it may be is a clear conscience, a peaceful heart. And you don't have to remember what you told so-and-so when you're talking to thus and such. It can be a trap. It can be kind of difficult. We also find in that beautiful reading that God does not want us to covet, to be pining away after what we don't have, whether it's another woman or another man or that oxen down the street, i.e. the big house or whatever it may be. Again, the consequence is being satisfied, is being contented, is being appreciative. And if we are, if we're not, you know, trapped by this, oh, I'm supposed to have that, then what we can be is grateful, have gratitude. Thank you for the simpler things or the lesser things. And they may not even be simpler. They may not even be lesser. They just may not be as big or whatever. And the other problem is, when we pray for some of that fantasy stuff down the street, I've been told that sometimes when we get it, it doesn't turn out like we think it's supposed to, right? And if we are married, God wants us to honor our pledge of intimacy and love with one another, not just physically, but in our hearts and minds. And why is this in the top ten? Why is this in the Ten Commandments? Because marriage, as it says so clearly and explicitly in Ephesians, is the earthly representation of the intimacy and love between Christ and you, between Christ and His church. The wonderful, loving, amazing union between man and woman, that's the symbol that's the place it really takes place in some sort of sacramental way, an outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual love and joy. And if we honor our marriage, the consequence can be a love and abiding care that flows both ways. And of course, as some of us know, it's different at 23 than it is at 73, right? Takes different forms. Or, if we don't honor it, the consequence can be estrangement, divorce, and broken families. And as Stephen taught at the well at 6.30 a week or two ago, that hardness of heart, that's where it comes from. We know that divorce has to happen in some cases, but it's, it's hard, it's a breaking. Anyway, God wants us to honor His ways, to think right and do right, to not think wrong and do wrong. He wants us to give and preserve and protect and encourage and love just like we honor the law of gravity.
Now, the problem is there is another spiritual law at work. Just as in physics, there are some spiritual laws that work against each other. It's way down in our reading from Romans where St. Paul admits, where St. Paul gets honest. I do not understand my actions. I have the desire to do what is right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Thank God Paul admits it, right? He's just being honest. There's the conflict that we all deal with, right? But, and this is a huge but, all the spiritual laws we've talked about are subject to one overarching law and rule of the universe and time and reality as it was, as it is, and as it ever will be. The whole Bible, God's whole entire history and relationship with you, with me, is ultimately all about one thing. His love and His forgiveness for each one of us when we didn't live like He wants us to, when we don't live like He wants us to, and as we may in the future not live like He wants us to, it is all subjected to and infused with and covered by His love, His grace, His forgiveness because of Jesus when we accept and trust that Jesus' love, Jesus' willing personal sacrifice for each one of us. Remember the old thing, if there was only one human being left on the earth, Jesus would have done the same thing for that person? Because of all that, because of Jesus' suffering, the spiritual consequences of sin, so you don't have to. This is that overarching truth, that overarching law of the universe that trumps everything else. Have you noticed that any time we say trumps now, it's that, that's the former president's name? Anyway, this is why, this is why the good news is so good. We are sinners. But because of the love of God and Jesus' loving personal sacrifice, For each one of us, we find through faith, through that trust, through that repentance, that honesty, that turning away from sin, that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we are guided and saved forever by trusting, and I mean 
really trusting in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. This isn't easy for all of us. It can take time. I only began growing up about two months ago. I've done and said and known all the right stuff for years and years and years. I've got the garb on, you know, all the deal. But really, underneath it all, God and I had a few problems. Because I grew up in an alcoholic home. My dad had a stroke when I was a senior in high school. He's crippled for the rest of his life. He uh, breaks his leg and has to have an amputation. I mean, it was horrible. And I didn't get it. I'm like, what is the deal? You love us and you're an intervening God. You're going to fix these things. But you didn't. So I've had a few sand spurs in there. Beneath all the language, beneath all the good stuff, I didn't really trust God. I didn't really trust in His compassion until I came to the end of myself and I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Because you know what it's like to live in a universe where there's not a loving, compassionate God and there's no assurance and hope and it's just like the heavens are brass? It's horrible. No wonder people turn to drugs and alcohol and pagan worship. You've got to do something to get out of this. Wow, we've got a Carillion here. A, a bell tower. Anyway, no wonder people turn to this stuff. It's fear. It's bad experience. Yada, yada, yada. But then this amazing thing happened. I just flipped that little tiny switch that said, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to trust that you are actually real and there and supernatural and loving and compassionate and that there is hope. I'm just going to trust. And whammo, you know what happens? You begin to see it. You begin to feel something. You, you ask. I asked God, please show me the outcomes of this trust. I, as a guy, need to see this. Sorry. And He has shown me. And it's beautiful. And I can relax. So I share all that to say, if you've got some sand spurs in there, these sand spurs do get in our saddles. And we work through them. We work them out with God. We take even those things that we don't understand, those conflicts, those barriers, those bitter roots, as Leanne Payne and others call them. Instead of being shielded from God, we take those to God and ask Him to dissolve them away. Anyway, there is another reason why the good news of Christ is so good. Because it changes us. We get better instead of being grumpy and resentful or cutting corners here or duplicitous there. We get better. 
Psalm 1 tells us how to get better. Psalm 19, which we read today, tells us the consequences, those sure and true outcomes just like the law of gravity. Psalm 1, how to get better. Blessed is the man or the woman who meditates, thinks, wonders, prays, dwells in, who meditates on God's laws, not just the do's and don'ts, but his story, his forgiveness, his values, his love, day and night. So, we read some scripture, we look at a devotional, but we don't just do it for 30 seconds, fire it off, and move on. We sit with it, we think, we meditate, we ask God to show us, speak to us through this, and we engage with Him and with this knowledge and ask Him to show us what we need to see. Then Psalm 19. What happens? What are the consequences when we do this morning and evening thing? As sure as the law of gravity. The law of the Lord, God's values, His love, His forgiveness, His prescriptions for living. Get this. Revive the soul. That is speaking to relief so deep down in your being that it is the real thing, not just like generic Alka-Seltzer. It is the real relief that we really seek in our hearts. They are certain. They give wisdom. They give joy. They give light. They last forever. They are true. They are right. They are better than gold. Now what else in the world can you really say gives you all that? Come on. What else can you say there is really this full, amazing, full-spectrum consequence of everything you could hope for and desire for, which is peace in your soul with God, with who you are, with how you have been with other people. There is no other thing. And when we get in touch with this, we find ourselves able to say, like the psalmist did, and I want you to know, I pretended to say this for many years, but because of my sand spurs and lack of trust, I really couldn't. I really wasn't getting it. That God's ways are sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. In them is great reward. The honeycomb is one of the ancient symbols of fertility and plenty. Remember like the pineapple is the symbol of welcome in Hawaii or whatever? The honeycomb is only there because of the fertility of crops and the amazing system of God's creation where the bees make this stuff. 
And if you think of a photographer's light coming through, there is glistening, golden, amber light. And, and it just drips. It's a symbol and it's a literal example of plenty. And then when you taste it, it is... We got to try it sometime. I, I have so much sweet and low, I can't even stand it. What about a drop of honey? There is, a, there is no other taste like it. This is how sweet God's word, his love and assurance can become when we meditate on it day and night. So maybe tonight, check out some scripture, a devotional. And don't just fire it off before you can go watch uh, the honeymooners or whatever at 8 o'clock. Dwell, stay, meditate, think, ask God about it. Lord, I'd, I'd like to see this. I'd like to experience this. Can you show me this? Is there anything you want me to do to help work some things out? And do it again in the morning. And then tomorrow, same thing, see? Because God's values, His blessings, what He wants to show you and bless you and others with, His laws are indeed just as true, just as real as the physical laws that govern the universe. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.